Sharon Hendricks is my guest today, and like that recent documentary, she's been standing 20 feet from stardom for a lot of her career. <laughs> she's gone on major tours with people like Barry Manilow, Tom Jones. The other people she's worked with is basically a who's who of the music <laughs> industry. She's worked with people like Bob Dylan, George Duke, Dusty Springfield, Mac Davis, Sammy Davis Jr., just to name a few. But now she is stepping into her own spotlight with a new EP called Fortitude. She's already released several songs from that, including the recent Hold On and River Run. We're going to talk about that and hopefully some surprises in store for 2021. So welcome to the show, Sharon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> well, I've really been enjoying, first of all, watching your music videos. Um, it seems like you're really having fun with those and for, you know, the whole EP. Um, are you going to make videos for each of the five songs? Well, that's the plan, you know. Uh, with the pandemic, it was really kind of hard to get things done. But now that things are lifting up, I think that, yeah, we'll be back uh, filming for our next release pretty soon. And, uh we're really excited about it. Excellent. Well, we're going to get into that a little more in depth. And I hope you don't mind talking about your past because it is so amazing. I want to concentrate on the presence, Aww. but we just have That's to go over this pretty massive career you have uh, when you started out. You know, you were touring with the Young Americans. You appeared on the yeah. Ed Sullivan Show. <laughs> and from there, I don't know, how did you catch fire? So many people start out um, – you know, they're part of another group, you know, they're out there doing different things. But, you know, how did, how did you catch fire? You know, I think that's the most fascinating thing about what my life um, became because it certainly wasn't a path that I had chosen. I was in college, you know, I had done Young Americans for two years, but I was all, also in school and I was studying to be a social worker. I wanted to join the Peace Corps and, you know, go overseas and work in a country, foreign country with children and come back and uh, work in a, a program called VISTA at the time, which was sort of the equivalent of the Peace Corps for the United States. And I wanted to do that for a couple of years. And then I was going to become a social worker and work in orphanages when there were, you know, orphanages in our country. But there was, oh, wow. the universe had this other plan for me. Uh, I was in college and I just started getting phone calls from, actually it was the choreographer who um, was the choreographer for the Young Americans. He also choreographed for artists like Sammy Davis Jr. and Missy Gaynor and Debbie Reynolds and all this vast array of artists. And so he would call me to come out and do uh, shows, to sing in their shows, sing and dance in their shows. And um, they mostly would be in Vegas. Sometimes they'd be uh, touring or, or in Florida. It was just, just a mis mismatch of different kinds of um, work. And when he called, I would, I'd put my books away and do it. And uh, before mm -hmm. I knew it, I was, that's all I was doing. I was going from one artist to the next. And, you know, and then I was 25 years old, and I was, you know, really in it to win it there was no going school was sort of just left behind and I worked consistently up until the pandemic hit I've worked um, you know uh, I actually I've been on tour and 
been on the road for these last, <laughs> God, I hate to say, 50, almost 50 years. So it wow. was um, I, I was an act of the universe. I went on a road that I had no, I never even thought about doing. But, you know, here I am, and I look back at it, and uh, it is a glorious, it's been a glorious uh, life and experience, and uh, I'm thankful and proud of it. I really am. Mm-hmm. Well, I had to bring up the 20 Feet from Stardom documentary because, first of all, it's such a long time coming. I'm surprised someone didn't make yeah. that documentary earlier because isn't that the yeah. secret of the music industry is just yeah. the heavyweight talent behind, you know, yeah. these one or two stars, but you realize what makes these tours work, the recording studio. You know, it's people like yeah. you that that are are these, you know, I don't want to say even background singers or backup, but it's just that this wealth of talent that the average person doesn't realize. Yeah, you know, I have to say it's it's really a blessing to be 20 feet from stardom. Most of the most talented people I know can't even get that. I mean, it's the music business is such a harsh business. So, um, yes, there there are these extremely talented and amazing people singing in the background, but there's something that we have to really realize that that artist that has made it to the front and um, is the success um, has a drive and a um, and courage and, and um, strength that, that sort of divides them from the rest. It's not so much the talent as having really the fortitude that you need to um, – to believe in yourself even when people don't believe in you. So singing background mm-hmm. for me, because I wasn't, I, I wasn't in thinking in terms of, oh, I want to be a star someday, I want to be the one in front, um, was <laughs> like the perfect place to be. I loved, be. I loved being background singer. I could be right there in the front. You know, with Barry, we're right in front. We dance and sing right next to him. I could do that, but the pressure... <laughs> My God, the pressure of being the star, having people that come and pay all that money to see you and you better bring your game. I didn't have to worry mm-hmm. about that. I was never nervous for doing a show for 40,000 people, for you know, million. It didn't matter because I could just go out there and have a good time and, and do my thing, and there was no pressure. So, you know, the 20 seats from far stardom, it's, it's kind of a cool place to be. I, I, I loved it. I did. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my favorite YouTube videos I saw, and I love how people are posting these. It's a live footage of you in concert with Tom Jones, and you're singing yes. "You Need Love Like I Do" together. <laughs> and and, and just to see the excitement, and boy, um, boy, do you hold your own with Tom Jones? Let me tell wow. you. Thank you, thank you. I love Tom. <laughs> Tom is my heart. You know, we did we did several duets. Uh, whenever the, a duet came up, he always asked me to sing them with him. And that, the one you, you, um, I'm sorry, you give, you need love like I do, was the, my favorite mm-hmm. because we got to have fun, you know. And everything we did on there was just off the cuff and just having a good time because that's who he is. He when he gets on that stage, it's like being on a, a I don't know, like a, a space shuttle. I mean, he goes full-blown, all out, you better get your party on because 
he's going to get his party on, and he wants you right there with him. So it's that, it was that kind of fun and energy and pure joy. Loved it. Loved it. I don't know, know what era you were doing that with him. But what, wasn't he like back in the day? He was so unknown for the women throwing the yeah. hotel keys on oh. stage. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, they still did until his son put a stop to it. But they, they used to be at least 200 panties. The stage would be black, filled with panties after the show. It was hilarious. Oh, I thought it was kind of cute. But I think, you know, after a while, as he got older, his son felt that it, it, it wasn't very respectful. So... They put an end to that, unfortunately. I loved it when the ladies would walk up to the stage and <laughs> throw their panties mm-hmm. in his face. They try to hit him in his face a lot of the time. So. Pretty funny. Well, I think you're in a good position because you not only, like with the young Americans, you know, you started touring right off the bat, then you're touring with all these, you know, you know really big stars, yeah. but isn't touring such the proving ground, not just for singing, yeah. but just for the learning the business, traveling, yeah. you know, making connections? Well, what did you get Absolutely. most out of touring? That's what I got most out of touring was seeing the world. I actually had seen this planet, lots of places on this planet that I never would have seen uh, if not for being in uh, the music business. And I saw some magnificent places. And the good thing was, especially in the early years, we weren't doing like three or four or five shows in a row. We'd get to like, say, Australia, have a week off, do a couple of shows, have a few days off and and work. I mean, it was sort of a really, I want to say a working vacation in a way lots of restaurants and see other shows and and I saw some exquisite and amazing places so um, and also you know you you get a great stamina going you you're able to to do a lot travel and do a show get on a plane and travel and do a show get in a bus drive 18 hours you know sleep for a night and do a show you you get this really great stamina uh, and then you collapse when you get home. You know, I was, I was exactly. home and it took me a minute to recuperate. But oh, when, I, when I was out there, I just was so thrilled to be in these foreign places. It was awesome. Well, we do have to talk Barry Manilow because that yeah. was another just really, not just touring, but the studio. Yeah. But um, it was the first way you really worked with him is, is when you replaced a member of Lady Flash? That's right. I, it sure was. I got a call for the audition. I went in and uh, sang, and my phone had a message on it by the time I got home that I'd been hired. And Lady Flash was Deborah Bird, who went on to be uh, the vocal coach for American Idol and The Voice. I think she also did the the voice in American Idol in other countries, and she has a online music course I think through Berkeley School of Music. Brilliant, brilliant singer, performer, artist, and the other singer was Reparata, who is fabulous, just fabulous and amazing. I stepped into the third girl's shoes, Monica Buras. I'm sorry, Monica Page, who I replaced. And so it was sort of, <laughs> they had done a record, and they were sort of um, not, we weren't an opening act, but we were considered kind of co-stars with Barry. 
So it was a lot of choreography and a lot of, um, that was the first time I experienced like singing right next to uh, the artist and um, dancing and performing right there next to the the main artist. And it was, mm-hmm. that, talk about a lesson in uh, the business. That was certainly a huge lesson because I'd never done anything like that before. And uh, it was right. And before you joined, like he had produced an album for them, so they had That's an right. album's worth of material. But what I love about exactly. it, it was so you know at the peak of the disco era, and they seemed right. to, at least on the album cover, there was this whole feel of a little bit of disco, maybe a little post glam rock, a little right. label kind of feel. I mean, did you have really exactly. fun with just the whole look and in that era? Oh my God, it was so much fun. We had the most. Um, we had at least five costume changes in his show. Amazing. Like, <laughs> really big showgirl, fabulous. Like you say, the disco era kind of thing. And we, the minute we hit that stage, we would hit it running. I mean, we were dancing and singing and moving and doing props and doing all kinds of things for the 90 minutes. And it was, uh, talk about a lesson in, in, in the business. That was my probably mm-hmm. most major one, I would say. Mm-hmm. Well, I love it's it. really I cool. With, oh yeah, and what's yeah. so cool with Barry is um, he actually recorded with you on, on one of his LPs. The one I really noticed was uh, you did the cover of "Ain't Nothing Like the Real Thing," the the Marvin Gaye, right. Tammy Terrell song. Right, it's awesome. I and, love. And wow, that. I mean. Yeah. Well, what I'm I liked sorry, about uh, that duet, um, he really let you shine on that. It wasn't just this, oh, you know, kind of blend into the background with me. He really yeah. let you do most of the heavy lifting on that song. Yeah, you know, he's, he is that guy. He's not afraid. He's not, he doesn't hold anybody back. He's always encouraged, and uh, not just me, but others in the band, the band I'm in now, the band I was with uh, in, back in those days, always encouraged us with our music, always listened to it. He's that guy because he's a musician, you know. He knows what the struggle is. So he has always been very generous in that way. I, I love and adore him. He's, it's, even today when we rehearse, it's like being in a master class, watching how he works, what he is thinking, how he fixes a certain chord to try and get more emotion out of a song is just pure brilliance. I'm thrilled to, to still be working with him today. Just put a little plug out. We'll be at the Westgate in September. <laughs> we're back mm-hmm. in residency uh, in Las Vegas, so we're all excited about that. Um, and it will be that's thrilling. A, that's yeah, amazing. Is, yeah. Well, that's such a thread throughout your career, and the, he seems so loyal. Like, you know, yes, after you did the you know, late 70s, 80s, even before the, your right. current uh, Vegas <laughs> Wasn't around 2010, you reunited right. and you had a run at the Paris Hotel? Right, that's right. Yes, it was awesome. Well, so, you know, well, I so mean, how, how, well, I know, you, happens, you know, you know the, this admiration, <laughs> but when you find I'm someone sorry. like that, because not everyone is that loyal, you know, you go through a lot of ups and downs in the music industry. There's a lot of good people, then there's a, a lot of disappointments, so... How often do you yeah. find such loyalties? Uh, actually, never. This, he's, it's a rare 
thing. I, I'm sure it's out there. I'm sure, you know, there are a lot of loyal artists, but Barry is one of them. You know, in 2009, Tom Jones revamped everything. He fired the whole band, the whole crew. We were all let go. And I just happened, I was living in Las Vegas, and I happened to be meeting friends on the Strip for dinner one night. And I saw a big billboard that said Barry Manilow coming to the Paris in 2010. So I called Deborah Bird and I said, is he looking for singers? She said, well, he just hired two, but he's not happy with one. Go see him. You haven't seen him in 20 some odd years. Go, go see the show and, uh, you know, go see how you guys, you know, are after this long of a time. So I went, went backstage. The show was brilliant. I couldn't, you know, speak highly enough about how amazing he was and the show was. We hugged, we um, hung out for a bit after the show, and two weeks later he sent me an email and said he was doing the show at the Paris in 2010, next year, in February, and would I join him? Would I be interested in joining him? And I said, absolutely, yes. And I've been with him ever nice. since. Yeah. He's well, awesome. what's, the, what's it like to do a run in Vegas, like when you have a residency? Is it really a small town? Do you schmooze with a lot of other performers? I mean, well, what's it like after the show, and, and how do you guys congregate? Well, you know, that's a, that's a good question because it, it has changed for me personally over the years. Sure, you know, after the show, people will go have a drink. A lot of times, Barry will have food in his dressing room and we'll all hang out there for a while, have a glass of wine and eat, and, you know, just hang. Some people like to hang out in the bar. Um, band that I'm with on certain nights, they actually play um, in the, um, right in the room where all the gambling is going on. There's a, a room there. They'll sit in and play, and some some of the singers get up and sing. I personally have to go to bed. I and I age. <laughs> I I gotta be ready for the next day. So I may, you know, occasionally we hang out. I definitely like to go to Barry's room and hang out with him. But uh, I lay low, and I actually have friends that um, are in great bands or working other shows. One of my dearest friends uh, was doing Lady Gaga's show. So I wanted to go to oh, wow. that. I've seen, yeah, we go and see shows that we can. I saw him in Celine Dion. When we have, if I get there a day early, then I can go that night. And so, you know, we'll go see other friends working. But mostly, it's just like concentrating on doing those three nights and doing them the best we can. His show, Barry's show, you know what? It takes a lot of energy. We're walking up and down stairs and going up in the air and doing all kinds of wild things so you have to be on your game so my thing is you do yeah i know even people like celine dion that you mentioned sometimes won't talk off stage to really preserve her voice at times when it's you know getting too overworked so it seems like there's a lot of temptation to have fun in vegas but at the same time you're there to work and you know you do want a good night's sleep right you know i get that because it's also so dry but you're Vocal cords really, they, they have a hard time functioning. You have to have uh, humidifiers in your room. Always the first thing I do is get a humidifier. And, and she's right to not talk a lot because you don't want to use your vocal cords too much. It's a, it's a grind singing in Vegas. It's very hard. It's the hardest place, one of the hardest places to sing. 
Well, well, you've obviously done a good job throughout your career of really keeping your voice in top shape because on Fortitude and your new songs, big plug here, uh, you sound incredible. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and I, I really want to get into, at this point in your career, why did you decide to, you know, put go all in and put out this EP called Fortitude? Well, I really do have to give all the credit to my life partner, my darling, my wonderful man, Dan Voss, Jr. Uh, we've known each other, oh, gosh, almost 40 years, and he is the one person that has believed in me more than anybody, and has put his money where his mouth is. And we uh, did some writing together about 10 years ago. We wrote a, a bunch of songs and, you know, wrote them and they went in the drawer. We didn't do anything with them. And about a year and a half ago, he said, you know, we should take those songs out and revamp them, update them, and, and let's release them. Let's just go all, all out. He says, and let's do it for our family. So we have this this piece of history of our, our music together. We have it for the ages. Let's 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 record it and do videos and just put it out there with all the gumption we can. Gumption. Okay, that ages me. Mm-hmm. And now mm-hmm. um, through a good friend of Danny's, Robert Margoloff, who is Stevie Wonder's producer. Uh, he produced all those great records for Stevie in the 70s, fulfilling this Songs in the Key of Life. Amazing producer. We went to him. He was working with a young man who is into the EDM music. And um, we uh, uh, collaborated with him. And he updated the music and the sound and arrangements, and we recorded them. And then Danny directed the videos, and and that's what we've been doing, and, and just putting them out there with the help of Ernie Campagna and Kevin Walters. Uh, we're getting them out to the people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I like that there's such a variety. You know, there's some upbeat songs, some smoother songs. Yeah. But one I really like, uh, and I call it almost a power ballad, it's called Believe and Become. Ah, oh, thank you. Yeah, that's and been so a favorite. so much drama. Song. It's almost like a, a big dramatic Celine Dion power ballad and just really shows off, you know, I think a lot of just the drama and strength of your of your singing. Thank you, Kelly. I appreciate that. You know, that song was written, the lyrics were written by Danny uh, for a friend of his daughter's who was this beautiful girl who was modeling and uh, doing lots of uh, things on camera, commercials, all kinds of things. She was in an automobile accident and lost her hand. And uh, she was a a friend of his daughter's that they'd kind of grown up together. So the lyrics were written for her. And uh, this new um, producer, his name actually is Aaron Zapita. He revamped it and uh, rearranged it, and that's what we came up with. Wow. Well, it seems very heartfelt. Um, I think a more recent one you put out is Hold On, which also had a very positive, empowering message to it. Right, right. Yeah, it was perfect for the times we were are living in. A lot of people needed to hold on. I know I did. So um, we did, I actually shot that video right before the pandemic hit. <laughs> so 
so we got it in. I mean, it, people were were starting to isolate and and everything, but we got it in just uh, right before, and so and then put the song out. So it to me came out right at the right time too. Sure. Well, you kind of had a double whammy, you know, with all this. In, in last year, it wasn't only just the quarantine and people not being able to, you know, go to clubs, but pretty much the whole town of Vegas seemed to have shut down. Oh, no. Insane. We were in Vegas in the February, and you could hear smatterings of the pandemic. Or there, was this, there was this thing out there. And one of the singers was actually sick, not feeling well. And we were all very nervous. And we were due to go back the next weekend, and they shut Vegas down. And uh, from a couple of friends of mine who lived there, they said it was a ghost town for almost mm-hmm. a year, that it was pretty uh, pretty weird, very strange. But I hear it's back up and running, like, with all barrels blazing. It's supposed to be amazing, so... I can't wait to get so back there. So you, you're going to go back show. there, right? So, so with the the Barry Manilow going back, uh, do you have a date set up for that yet? We do. I I don't want to get it wrong. I know it's September in the teens, like either the 13th or the 16th in that time right now. Go to my okay. master tour. Let me let me get it. Sure. So it's after tour. Labor Day, sometime in the yeah. mid mid September, and uh, what I. Right. It's kind of funny. It's uh, isn't this kind of a continuation of the one last time tour? It is. You know, here's the thing. I he belongs out there. He loves it out there. I I don't know how he could ever not do it. It's his lifeblood. So I think you know you get t- what you get tired of is the touring, the traveling. That is. Um, exhausting it's hard when you're in one place like Vegas residencies which more and more artists are doing doing the audience comes to you and it's nice I mean you you you're in one place you get up out you go out of your room you go downstairs you do the show and uh, you can you know it's nice to be in one place and not have to move but the uh, date is September 16th we open at the West Okay, Bay. September 16th. Very nice. Right. Well, well that, that should be a reason to celebrate that opening night. It is. Absolutely, it will be. Well, uh, we're going to wrap up in a little bit, but before then, I hope you'll let me pick your brain a little bit, which, you know, I could do for hours <laughs> and hours because you've <laughs> met everyone in the biz and just had this amazing <laughs> career. But um, I'm really curious um, – with a couple of people in particular, I know you've worked with George Duke. Yes. And I had the pleasure of interviewing him um, not too long before he passed oh. away, which I can't believe oh. is almost nine years ago. But he, uh, he always surrounded himself with the best musicians, and he produced, yeah. he wrote, you know, he performed. But uh, well, what, what, how did you collaborate with him? Oh, he was incredible. My God, my God, my God. Working with that man was the epitome of watching great musicianship. And you're right, he surrounded himself with the best. Sheila E., who is my dear friend, we worked together. She was 19 years old on that tour. Um, wow. It was amazing. I sang um, a duet with him. I loved singing. It was a great song. Oh, God, let me wrap my brain. Uh, 
anyway, we, we did a lot of, our tour was mostly in Europe at lots, lots of jazz festivals. And, it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and Dugu Chancellor, a great drummer, was on that tour. Um, just amazing. Josie James, I, just beautiful, amazing people. It was, let me tell you, it was, um, it was one of those really hard kind of tours because, you know, jazz uh, is not as, um, you know, it, dis, it doesn't have the audience that artists have. So it, it, it was more of a struggle. I mean, we worked hard. I was gone for three months. I didn't come home for three straight months. And I just had my first child. So that was really hard on me. But he, just being on that stage with him, and he was very, um, sometimes he didn't know what was going to be coming. He, he didn't have like a set list or anything. He, he went out there and uh, played what, what he felt the audience wanted to hear or what his spirit told him to play. So you had to be on your toes with him. Uh, we never knew what the, the set was going to be. And that was, for me at the time, I found that so exciting. Sometimes we, we do a song, and then he'd look at me and, and nod his head and start our duet. And I was going to sing the duet. Mm-hmm. So we just never knew when and what we were going to do. But it was the most amazing uh, experience. I loved him, and I, I cherished that time with him. It was uh, exceptional, exceptional, exceptional musician, mm-hmm. music person, everything. Yeah. Okay, Sammy Davis Jr. Ah, oh, my God, I loved him. I loved him. He was like a father to me. He treated me like his daughter. He he loved me. I don't know. I, you know, he just was drawn to me from the first show that we did. And, oh, my God, talk about being around greatness. And he was humble and tiny, and I, I can still see him. We were, worked at the Fountain Blue in um, Florida, and uh, we always had to go through the kitchen, and we waited kind of in the kitchen to go on stage. And I always remember him coming through with, with his bodyguards, and he was so tiny, and he would always wear this full-length mink coat. And he'd walk oh, up wow. to me and hug me. And he'd hug me before we'd go on stage. And I loved him with all my heart. And I wept when he passed. Um, working with him, to me, was the epitome of working with greatness. He was beyond brilliant. And he had lived a life beyond uh, many lifetimes. He was uh, one of the most incredible and sincere and humble beings I ever worked with. And I'm honored. I'm so honored that I got mm-hmm. that time with him. I am. Um, it's brilliant. That's so refreshing to hear a story like that because because you, you want mm. you, you want that to be the case, you know, for the people yeah. you admire. Absolutely. Okay, here's he, here, here's he's a, a wild card. Okay. Okay, Dusty Springfield. Memories God, of Dusty. Yes. An- another beautiful amazing, lovely, brilliantly talented woman who had, you know, what my time with her made me feel uh, was that she didn't realize her greatness because I always felt, we would always hang out with her after stage. She loved for us to come into her room, dressing room, and the four tops opened for her. So they would be in the dressing oh, wow. room too. And she would have a cigarette in her hand or feet up on the, her lounge chair 
with a, a cigarette and a drink in her hand, and she would love to laugh. And she, the way she threw back her head when she laughed with her red lipstick, bright red lipstick, you know, that's the memory that, that I have, this beautiful woman uh, who was, was living in the closet, who was not living her authentic life. And there was something, I didn't know that, of course, at the time, but I could feel the sadness from her even though she laughed and was everything was so funny and she loved having everybody around her there was a sadness I always used to hate to leave her when it was time for everybody to go but uh singing on stage with her was another thrill you know she she brought her game there were nights when she didn't feel like bringing her game though and on those nights which were the scariest she would make one of her backup singers one of us sing her lead and we never knew which one it was going to be she would just Tell the, tell the lighting director. She'd point her finger at the lighting guy and throw it over to one of us, and the lighting would be on us, and, and it was us to sing the rest of her song. So that was kind of scary and shaky. But when she wow. said, oh, my God, I can't Yes, I know. <laughs> Wild. But, but, did, but did you ever get to, like, do um, the look of love for her? No, that one she would do. Especially that, you know, like I said, Vegas is a hard place to sing. Your voice gets dried out. And sometimes you just didn't want to hit those notes. So most of the time it would be um, Son of a Preacher Man. Uh, mm-hmm. What other one would it be? It would be all the, 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 the ones that were with notes that were, that were kind of high to sing. And sometimes she just didn't mm-hmm. feel like doing them because so she would give them to one of us. So, so she always sang with Oh, wow. That was her, that was her, her song, yeah. Yeah, she's amazing. That's very interesting. Beautiful. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, we love, love Dusty. It. Yeah. Well, okay, one more. Mm-hmm. Since this is on your your bio, I, yeah. I have to at least get one memory of working with Bob Dylan. Oh. Well, he he's gosh, he's an enigma. He's he's you know, he's so mysterious. Uh, in in real life also um so he lived he lived in malibu i lived in oxnard and uh when i was asked to do the gig he called me one night and said you know i'm on your way to the studio so why don't you pick me up and give me a ride we'll ride in together in the studio so i said okay so you know some rides would be complete silence nothing you know (laughs) Wait, so, so you picked Bob Dylan up? You picked him up? I, I would pick him up, and we'd, I'd take him to the studio. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Know, right? So, so you, 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 you basically Ubered Bob Dylan. I Ubered Bob Dylan. And uh, one particular, one particular uh, time that I picked him up, uh, he turned to me and he said, you know, I know all about Oxnard. He says, I... I actually go in there a lot of times. I go down that main drag in Oxnard, and I sit in the, in the uh, bars. I'll sit on a stool. I put a hat on. I sit on the bar, uh, a bar in the stool, and I listen to all the conversations with my third eye. And then I go back and I write. He says, I've gotten a lot of writing inspiration on Oxnard Boulevard. I said, no doubt. I said, your third eye? He said, oh, yeah, I, I look at everything through my third eye. So he is just fascinating fascinating man brilliant 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 wow. artist yeah he's i love the third <laughs> eye in oxnard i love that this all right well i have one more question 
to wrap up, but beforehand, I really want people to know where to find you, your website, and your music online. Thank you so much. Of course, you can YouTube all of my videos. My website is SharonHendricks.net, so you can find everything about me and my music. And uh, I, I hope you all enjoy it. It's, it's certainly a, a work of love. Well, you know, we talked about 20 feet from stardom, and, you know, that, that was great. I think, didn't that win an Oscar or something? So a it lot did. of people saw it, but... I think there's room for so many more stories like that. I think that was a good beginning. Yeah. And agree. it just seems like you are someone, you know, who can preserve a lot of history for us. So I just want to know, you know, especially now, you know, you've been in different eras and Vegas and, you know, Tom Jones and Barry Manilow. But, you know, some of us, you know, we're getting a little older and some of these people aren't, yeah. you know, with us anymore. So while we get a chance, I mean... How do you want to preserve your history? I mean, you have seen the music business from such a unique perspective, you know, and you've gone right. through different eras of it. Do you feel an urge to preserve it either by writing about it, doing a documentary? I mean, what do you feel about all these memories you have? What a beautiful question. That's a beautiful question. You know, I've been urged to write a book. Several, uh, actually a publisher has asked me and several people keep to write a book because also my family life is an interesting uh, thing. A lot of music is in my family and in music history. And so, um, you know, I have written a bunch of things down over the years and maybe hopefully that will happen. I have children that are geniuses. Jade Hendricks is my daughter. Uh, she's a, one of twins, twin daughters, and she's a brilliant musician, writer, singer. Uh, and I do a lot of background on her records. She's absolutely awesome, so I wait to see what she will do. I have another daughter who's a great writer, April. Um, you know, it, there are others coming up behind me, so... Uh, I will do this as long as it feels good and right, and um, hopefully a book will come in the next year or two, and I, I can't wait to see what my children will do, and my grandchildren. I have grandchildren. I have a three-year-old granddaughter, Phoenix, who all she does is sing and rewrite nursery rhymes all day, so maybe she will, you know, do something <laughs> I don't know, but, um, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, the, I guess. I, I would love to see a book. I, I need, would like to see that finished for myself. Mm. I love that book. Well, what, you so what would you call the book? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know yet. Because 20 Come feet from stardom is already taken. Oh, yeah. No, it wouldn't be anything like that. <laughs> I, I don't know, Kelly. I, I really don't know. Be, uh, well, know. if you do write this, I, I would be the first in line to read it because just the few Thank brief you. stories you've told me already are great. And I, it sounds like you've got uh -huh. just a, a wealth of, of experience and stories to share. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has well, been awesome. I really loved it. 
Well, I hope our paths cross again. And for everyone listening, her name is Sharon Hendricks. The EP is called Fortitude. It's packed with a variety of songs for, I think, all your moods from power ballads to tender moments to maybe even a song to get up and dance. So please uh, (laughs) check out Sharon's music. And I so appreciate uh, getting the chance to talk to you today. Thank you so much, Kelly. It's been such a joy. Thank you.